Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Frameable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, We'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Remotely Possible, the podcast that brings you conversations with people leaning into distributed work so we can learn what's working for them and why. Today, my guest is Zach Ratner. Zach is the chief technology officer and the co-founder of Yembo, a software engineer with over 15 years of experience and a bachelor's degree in computer science from Virginia Tech. Zach's projects include scaling a flashcard study tool to over 3 million users. He's in the top 2% of contributors on Stack Overflow and has 18 granted patents with several more pending. He has a new book called Growing Up Fast. Zach, welcome. Thank you, Adam. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So take a moment to just introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. Talk about your company, Yembo, which sounds so cool. And um, tell us a little bit about your team, how they're organized and uh, the way that you, you know, have constructed the collaborative culture at your company. So that's a lot, but however you'd like to start. Yeah, happy to take it. We are a computer vision company. And Yembo provides estimation services for home service companies. Our primary customers are moving companies and property insurance companies. And the key problem that we solve for them is it's quite difficult to provide an accurate estimate. Uh, It's pretty labor intensive. You have to go to somebody's house, walk around, identify things. It takes a trained human to do it. So we provide tools that use the latest and greatest in computer vision technology that allow these inspections to be done remotely. So they're still a sales agent in the loop, um, but they're able to perform more jobs in a day. They're able to be more consistent and we're able to actually provide visual inventories of what are in folks' homes, which is super helpful in terms of accurately estimating um, jobs as well as accurately um, settling any discrepancies that can come up later if jobs change in scope. So it's a Brand new technology going into industries that traditionally have not seen um, the latest and greatest in computer vision. That is amazing. And uh, how many how many people do you have on your team right now? We have about forty folks here in the U.S. and about thirty more internationally. And we'll we'll touch on this, I'm sure, as we get more into it. Um, but we are a uh, fully fully remote company. Um, we were about nine people uh, when COVID hit, and have grown pretty significantly since then as a remote company. And like a lot of companies had to do in early 2020, had to completely retool everything in a couple of days notice. Yeah. Have you, so you've never, you've never been physically in the same place with all of the people on your team. Do you have, uh, do you have regular physical opportunities, to, you know, regular offsites and things like that? Or is it, is it really truly a hundred percent physically distributed? We, We do our best efforts to make everything work 100% distributed. Um, That said, we do have 
now that um, COVID is far enough in the rearview mirror, we do have an annual company retreat. We call it YimboCon, where we bring everyone together for a couple of days once a year. Um, mm -hmm. And then we also do um, quarterly executive offsites, as well as mm -hmm. um, we have an internal process for requesting an offsite if there's particular like a particular problem that the team is working on. And mm -hmm. it's just easier sometimes to collaborate in person. Um, but I feel as like a well-oiled machine, things should be able to run remotely. And then you should be able to kind of as a bonus, if you need to do something specific, be able to um, to work in person. I honestly think it's made us more, more disciplined, more consistent. Um, there's a lot of remote work that goes into written communication where if you're writing for somebody who's in another time zone, who's working when you're asleep, mm -hmm. um, you need to be clear because otherwise, mm -hmm. uh, if they want to talk to you, they're going to want to wake you up at two in the morning. So I feel like there's been a um, a pretty beneficial shift in like thinking things through beforehand. And when you're architecting something, we have a software development team in Ukraine. We have mm -hmm. a QA team in India. And we have um, an AI annotation team in the Philippines. So if we're starting a new product, it's always an inconvenient time for somebody. So we've had to sort of put together processes and workflows so that people are able to be productive and make meaningful progress when it's not business hours somewhere else. So that didn't come for free, but I feel like the benefits way outweigh the cons and that you can make 24 hour progress without burning anybody out because everyone's just working an eight hour day. Right. That that makes sense, and it sounds like the the distribution, the geographic geographical distribution, is really, yeah, helpful in your in your case. Like if you if you're able to um, do the, you know, the QA work from a certain area, and then the, some of the certain types of development work from a different area, another type from another area, then can, the work can kind of make its way around the globe and uh, and not stop. That's really cool. Um, how do you as the leader? How do you think about the the ongoing project of like establishing and encouraging quality relationships among people who don't get to be physically together? Like what are what are the little things that your team does that another company might be interested to hear about um, where the the point of that thing is to to really reinforce the the human level connectivity? I think it comes back to focusing on, the fact that shared experiences are kind of what drive um, a team to gel. And if you're remote and not careful about this, you don't really have any shared experiences, right? Everybody's just like a, a Slack interruption in your day, a little red blip that can show up in the corner. So what we aim to do is um, go out of our way to make opportunities so that people can get to know each other, get to understand each other's strengths. So we have, um, at, when we do our YumboCon, we have breakout sessions. Um, we also like to focus on areas where people are uniquely poised to do well. So I mentioned those different countries. If you yep. look at where it's nine to five in those different countries, it pretty much follows the workflow, which is mm -hmm. by design. So if we architect a big feature here in the US, Ukraine's day starts around 10, 11 o'clock at night in, the, in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So they're able to pick it up and kind of run with it. And then um, the India team is... Uh, testing it out. So from the US person's point of view, you go to bed, you wake up and like progress is made, it's already been tested, you can kind of mm -hmm. like incorporate it and keep going. Mm -hmm. And then that needs to hold true for each area. So the Ukraine team needs to get clear requirements. So they wake up, they know what they need to work on. Yeah. Um, and the India team needs to have like a clear, clear workflow. Yep. And I feel like making sure that um, 
each step of the process has what they need to be productive, then you can kind of know the disciplines that are make someone good on one team versus another and hire people that are interested in doing that kind of work. So that's how you get, um, it's not just a workflow thing because people are, they have different goals, they have different ambitions. And we sort of figured out how we want the overall business to run. And then we're able to kind of cater the teams that we're building so that the opportunities we're providing for work in these different teams are bringing people where they actually want to go in their career as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to cram something down their throat that they're maybe not that interested in doing. Right, right. At the at the conferences, at the once a year conference, how much of the time, uh, maybe it's maybe it's like an offsite with work and play all mixed together. How much of your <clears throat> time at these um, offsites do you spend, you know, actually co-working and how much do you spend doing activities together, like to build those relationships? So it's generally on paper supposed to be about 50-50. But mm -hmm. what I've actually found, this is going to sound weird coming from a uh, a, a CTO is that the unstructured time is actually super productive. Um, that you have a unique opportunity when you're a remote company and you bring everybody together. So I've actually been um, focusing less on trying to pack the schedule with all these productive outcomes of like work meetings and things like that. Mm -hmm. That um, having time to chat with a colleague while you're walking down the sidewalk to go to lunch is important. Mm -hmm. Um, so like leaving enough room in the schedule so people don't just feel super overwhelmed and having that be like, not just okay, but encouraged. Um, I feel like there's sort of like an expectation if you don't get out in front of it, that you need to like pack every possible minute with productivity because the company paid for flights and hotels, right. and like, right. um, you want to get good ROI on it. And that's true to an extent, but also I've walked away from these offsites, like really understanding my colleagues in a better way and understanding what their ambitions are, what they really want to work on, like things that maybe they've been thinking but hadn't yet verbalized yet. And you don't really get there in a big Zoom call with 15 people. So kind of recognizing that fact that uh, you can actually make productive progress in a more relaxed environment without a strict packed agenda. So we, we do do some work meetings, but it's um, usually the feedback I get afterwards is people say, Wow, Zach, we spent a lot of time doing fun stuff. And that's that's good, right? If you say they didn't spend enough time, that means you're probably uh, packing it too tight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your specific tech stack when it comes to collaboration? Like, and I can be specific here. What video meeting software do you use? What text chat software do you use? What email client do you use? What calendar client do you use? Sure. So we are uh, predominantly a Google shop. So we use Google Workspace for email, calendaring, video chat. Uh, we use Slack for real-time communication. Mm -hmm. We use Jira for ticketing, and that's key. Um, nothing actionable sits in Slack and have people remember. Like, I can't remember a Slack from two hours ago. So we have um, different Jira queues for each team. So a big audacious project might have AI, front-end, design, software, like a lot of different disciplines. So we make sure that one task per person and one person per task um, mm -hmm. makes it really clear like hey this big goal has 15 different parts and now people mm -hmm. know what they're responsible for um, and I think that's really been the key of like how do you how do you flow the information correctly like slack is great for certain things if I want to share a link with you I can copy paste that's fantastic mm -hmm. if you're trying to do your project management out of it it can just be overwhelming like you come back from uh, it's always daytime somewhere right so if you come back yeah. you wake up in the morning it's 9 a.m for you it might be 6 p.m for someone else. So having to like sift through multiple channels and all these different messages 
was something we sort of learned the hard way when COVID first hit around like, hey, we can't just have one big general channel with everybody. We should probably like split it based on um, more relevant topics and um, make sure that like if someone's on vacation, they shouldn't have to go read like 100 messages of scroll back to figure out what went on. Like the, the end result should be like somewhere where they can go pick it up. And we found Jira to work pretty well for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, you've hinted at this a little already, but um, how would you describe the preference or the, you know, how would you describe the preference uh, between synchronous collaboration and asynchronous collaboration, recognizing that you have teams all around the world and there might not be as much of a chance for synchronous collaboration across those locations, but just, you know, since it's a, since you're, we're talking about distributed teams, you know, mm -hmm. teams that are physically distributed, that's, that's always something people wonder is like, well, are they all truly working alone as well? Or are they working, you know, synchronously, but just physically apart? Yeah. So I feel like we're retooling this every couple of months. So I'll say something, but it, it has a shelf life of fine milk, if you will. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, what we've tried a bunch of different things and, um, we initially tried to over-index on being asynchronous. Um, and there are schools of thought out there that say that all synchronous uh, communication is like a sign of um, bad planning or something along those lines. And I feel like there's a time and a place for synchronous communication. Um, it's good for more open-ended things. It's good um, for complicated things where if you mm -hmm. wanna like pause and see if people have questions and then move on. Um, so there's a there's a time and a place for it, but there's also unhealthy synchronous communication, which I feel like that school of thought is recognizing and responding to. Um, so what we try to do is we don't have like 50 different countries with people in all these different time zones. We've tried to focus and consolidate them around U.S., Ukraine, India. Mm -hmm. And that way, the team that is working in that area has colleagues that are around at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So we we. We had some issues before where in our early, early days, I would just go on Upwork and find like 10 different people in 10 different time zones. It's like a great way to drive yourself nuts, um, like always having to be available at random times throughout the day. Um, but there's this concept that we've borrowed from the entrepreneurial operating system called L10, where you ask for feedback at the end. And that's been pretty helpful is at the end of like a maybe a project planning meeting, you're kicking a new thing off. You want to bring all the people together. So we try to not have any one person be like consistently asked to work outside hours. So mm -hmm. if we need to have everyone, like maybe the US team starting at eight instead of nine, but then you don't do that constantly, like the next time maybe a remote team has to take the call at 6 p.m. instead of five. So we try to like be fair around that. Yep. And then we'll ask people at the end, um, did you feel like you got what you needed out of it? Was it useful? And um, just having the culture where you're not expected to do everything perfect all the time. Like everything's always a work in progress. You can always improve. Mm -hmm. So by like making it okay to ask for feedback, I think the L10 gave us like a framework that made it okay to ask for feedback that um, people don't take it like defensively. If they say, yeah. Hey, I think like this agenda could have been a little bit more buttoned up and things along those lines. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of what you read in the popular press about distributed work, remote work, you know, in the the current zeitgeist of that conversation, mm -hmm. what are what are some things that you are hearing that sound either wrong to you or like, you know, this is going to be a short-lived, uh, this is a short-lived part of this conversation? Like, do you think overall the people who are writing about distributed work and remote work 
Uh, are they focused on the right things? Uh, or do you think there's a lot of distraction right now in terms of, you know, how how C-suites and leaders are processing, you know, the all this best practice advice that they're, you know, getting from all these so-called experts? Because we're all trying to figure it out as yeah. we go. And you are doing it. So I'm trying to, I, I'd like to sort of expose like which parts of this conversation do you think are on point and which parts do you think are are kind of distractions right now from what you're reading? I mean, I do think there are a lot of distractions out there, but I also don't know how you would avoid them. I think the world is kind of grappling with something that uh, COVID changed a lot of things. We were staunchly opposed to remote work in the, in the early days and we sort of stumbled into it gradually with... Um, having an India team to do QA, then COVID happened. We're like, okay, I think if we want to still do business, we need to figure it out. But I feel like there are valid points. It almost feels to me like if you read these news articles, like there's an unwritten assumption that there's like a black and white, right and wrong answer. And we need to find like what that, what that Goldilocks zone is. And I feel like the right answer is nuanced, which maybe the internet doesn't love to hear. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like figuring out what kind of work your team is doing and making sure that it is an environment where each employee can do their career's best work. There's not a one size fits all solution. We have different folks on our team who do more in-person visits than others. Like the, the um, there's this phrase that I, I mentioned in, in the book and we expanded it a little bit more, but we say you should strive for harmony, not homogeneity. Like things mm -hmm. don't have to be identical across different teams, but everybody needs to get along. And mm -hmm. if you have work that is more client facing and it's really helpful to be there in person, then sure, that makes a ton of sense. Um, if you um, just need to go heads down and write code and you're being asked to sit in a room with a bunch of other people who want to talk to you about other things, and that's not super productive. So right. we found that um, these like one size fits all solutions compromise something in a way that leaves things to be desired. And we've found like kind of letting each department head kind of figure out what their team needs to do has um, has been a bit more impactful for us because then you're making sure that you're able to be flexible and nimble and adapting to the needs of folks on the team as opposed to trying to like impose a top-down organizational mm -hmm. structure that makes like nobody happy at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, we have time for one more question probably. Uh, and that question is um, for, for Yembo, for your, you know, for your core business and focus here, how do you, how do you feel that uh, distributed work and the way you do it translates into an advantage uh, for you, a competitive advantage uh, compared to to the other people who are, um, you know, trying to bring something similar to the market? Because the reason I'm asking this question is because, uh, you know, uh, most most people feel like uh, the next five to ten year in the next five to ten years companies are going to distinguish themselves uh, by how much they lean into supporting hybrid and remote work. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody really thinks that we're going to go back to 2019. Right. So I think everyone knows that if you play your cards right in the next five to 10 years, you could end up with a competitive advantage. But what we're trying to expose is uh, how does it look when it's actually happening the right way? So when you think about the way you're running your business and you think about what you want to build in the next five to 10 years, how important is distributed work for um, for the way you're gonna achieve that? And um, 
another way to ask the question would be like, what advice could you give to uh, people who are running teams who are thinking about leaning more into distributed work and they're not quite sure of uh, the benefits? Sure, I would say if you can figure it out, you can make 24 hour progress throughout the workday. And just think about what that could mean. We had a scenario where I was out to dinner with uh, one of our earlier clients and we had been focusing a ton on improving the AI, detecting more things. And there were a bunch of other little like software, not AI, but like product features that we wanted to add. But I had kind of deprioritized them because I was focusing on the AI. Um, and I didn't really realize how big of a deal these things were that I had been overlooking to the client until he mentioned it to my face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to excuse myself, pretend to have to go to the bathroom, message mm-hmm. our team lead in India, tell him, hey, all these things that we deprioritized, like uh, they actually matter. Can you like see what you can knock out overnight? Come back to the table, act like nothing had changed. And then in the morning, um, I got him around 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. So in the morning for us, like we're back in the office. And the team is like, how on earth does Zach pull that off? Like he went away to dinner and everything's fixed. And that's just like one little glimpse. Mm -hmm. But if you can embed it into your culture and your workflow, that that's not like an exception. It's the norm. You can just get so much more done in a uh, smaller amount of time. And nobody has to burn themselves out because that's Mm -hmm. the key is you're not making people work 12, 13, 14 hour days over and over again. It's eight hour days. But Mm -hmm. the workflow is still um, like passing through those different um, steps that you can you can just be so much more productive. So that's my the honeypot at the end of that uh, challenge, if you go and chase it down, is you get to be more productive. Well, that, I mean, no, no doubt that's a path that's not available to people who are, you know, physically with each other all the time because there are only so many hours in a day. So it sounds like at Yumbo, you've really done an amazing job of constructing this 24-hour productivity path, you know, and not every company is going to be able to do that, but that's, mm-hmm. that's, it's great to hear how it is possible. Um, okay. Well, Zach, thank you very much for joining us today. This is Zach Ratner. Uh, we really appreciate your time and wish you the best of luck. All right. Thank you, Adam. Have a good day. Appreciate you having me. Okay. Thank you. All right. I know. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com slash podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag remotely possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.